Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning, Mission Church. Good to be with you. You're like, um, so kind. So kind. Um, I know everybody was, Pastor Ty was like, part two message, part two last week, and people were coming up, how was part two? And I was like, it was good. Um, it is good to be with you. Yes, I am not as tall um, as Tyler, um, but the Lord is going to be good and faithful anyhow uh, as we get and uh, open up his word together uh, this morning. So it, it is always an honor and always a privilege to share God's word uh, with family. And uh, it is um, an honor to be with you. And I, I just want to give honor to our pastors who are, are not here at the moment, but Pastor Tyler and Rachel Johnson. Come on. They, they champion and walk with people so well and so thankful for their yes to the Lord because it allows other people to say yes. And so thank you for the impact of your yes. Uh, and uh, let's give them another clap. Is it double honor? Pastor Tyler, we, we are... We're practicing your message. We're practicing your message. Double honor. Um, uh, so let's, uh, let's jump right in and honoring the Lord. Lord, we say thank you. There is nobody like you, Jesus. Uh, God, we're here because of you, only but by you. And so, God, would you uh, decrease me that you would increase? God, God, they need to hear a word from you. God, they need to be encouraged by you. They need to be strengthened by you. They need to be saved by you and you alone, Jesus. And so, God, here we are as we open up your word. God, would you ever be so faithful as you have been, God, to reveal your truth? God, let it seep down into the depths of our souls, Jesus. God, that we wouldn't just have an information dump, but God, that you would transform. God, that you would heal and restore. God, that, that thing that we thought we would never get rid of. God, I pray that you would break the chains off of that bondage in the name of Jesus by the truth of your word, Lord. I pray for those who have been run ragged and they don't know uh, what to do or what next to do. God, I pray that you would give them a strength and a grace in the name of Jesus. God, we're so thankful. We give you this time. Would you be honored? Would you be praised? Would you be glorified in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 And also, I want to honor my mama is in the house today. Love you, mom. I am. I would not be here today if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. Um, thank you for driving all the way up from little Fresno uh, to, to be with me. So just want to honor you. Love you so much. Uh, we're going to jump right into the text. Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is where we're going to be this morning. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every way. Somebody say every every way and sin which so closely uh, clings to us and let us run the race with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and this morning, I just want to enter, um, I was going to say entertain, but I, I'm not here to entertain. But I want you to think about uh, this, uh, a church that endures, a church that endures. And so um, a rhythm of mission youth is that 
uh, each week we would reach out, the leaders would reach out to uh, some youth students. If you're in youth, make some noise. You're in the house. All right. They are covering the first row. Um, and uh, we'll reach out and say, encourage them either with a text or a voice memo, asking them if they need anything for prayer. Um, and sometimes when I do that, I don't really get a response. I'm left on red. But you know what? I pray for you anyways. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but this one particular week, I got responses from um, just about uh, everyone, uh, every guy, every high school guy that I text. And this was the running theme. I kid you not. I was like kind of shocked. It was, I need energy. I'm not going to make it through the rest of the week. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, what are they putting these these kids through? I'm like, y'all got bills to pay. Y'all got kids to support. What you got? What's going on? Um, But each one was like, I I just am running out of energy. Anybody relate with that? You could just like, I'm just, we're on the run. I'm just, I just, how am I going to make it? How, how, what, is the, what is the next step? How long will this season last? You might ask yourself, how, how long will I have to endure this? And, and, and so um, there is, there's a trend uh, going around uh, social media called quiet quitting. Um, and quiet quitting, uh, this is a term to refer to employees who do the very bare minimum to keep their job. So if you hate your job, but you still need income, just quiet quit. Um, here is some of their mottos. Do as little as possible, as often as possible. If you act, act with the least possible amount of effort. Work as slowly as possible. Take your time. Make your work seem harder than it actually is. And then this was my favorite. Praise your boss for their leadership so that you can fly under the radar with flattery. I mean, y'all, it's like, it's like you put it in work not to put in work. <laughs> like, it just, at least you just do. Anyways, you know, that's a word for some of y'all. Uh, somebody online needed that one. But it's ironic because we live in a culture that encourages self-care. There is a new term that's coming around with the quiet quitting called radical rest. And it's this idea that you can sit back and do nothing. And you need to take a pause from life. And I was like, I'm, I'm really dumbfounded because I'm like, that's not new, like the Bible said Sabbath and, and the Lord created rest so that you can run a rhythm of, of endurance. And so this is not new age spirituality called radical rest. No, 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 no. Jesus, um, who came to save you from your sin and striving to perform, said, I have already done it on the cross and out of that rest. And so uh, it is very uh, important for us to understand that your, your doing, if it's not rested in what he's done, doesn't mean anything. And so maybe, just maybe, as Pastor Tyler would say, you don't need to binge watch another show to unplug. 
maybe just maybe you don't need to be more selfish with your time and your finances so that you can recharge. But maybe the Lord is asking you to run with a different perspective, run with his grace, because it just might mean that the way that you have been operating is running you ragged. So when to give a little context to where we're picking up in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, um, if you can count, 11 comes before 12. And in chapter uh, uh, 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews um, has this hall of faith. And what he's doing uh, in encouraging uh, the, the uh, audience of this time, and the audience is Jewish Christians. So these are Jewish people who lived under the law and now have accepted Christ as the Messiah, but they've been tempted because of life circumstances and persecution to go back to the old system to ease their pain from persecution. And so uh, it's the essential purpose of Hebrews was to exhort Christians to persevere in the face of persecution. And I, I, as I said, at this time, certain believers were considering turning back to Judaism, uh, to the Jewish system of the law, to escape being persecuted for believing Christ as Messiah. They were being tempted by their previous way of life and the ease of cultural acceptance. The author of Hebrews is making the argument, and here's what I'm trying to encourage you with. I'm just going to kind of steal uh, their argument this morning, is that in spite of hardship and persecution and seasons of life, where it seems like the storm is raging, Jesus is far greater and much more worthy than anything and everything else. Jesus gives ultimate rest. And so I I want to shift your perspective from striving to resting in him. So when when we pick up with Hebrews uh, chapter 12, after he had encouraged them, look, all these people that have gone before us in the faith, who have uh, have fought the good fight, uh, he he says uh, that we need to run the race with endurance. And this race in the Greek means struggle or means conflict, battle. It means fight. So what he's saying, the Hebrew author is saying, he says, God is not neglectful of your trial. He's not downplaying the pain that you are experiencing. He is not uh, winking at uh, the hardship that you're enduring. But what he is saying is that his grace is not mutually exclusive to pain. That you can still fight, that you can still battle, that you can still go through pain, that you can still go through hardship and him still be Lord and him still be sovereign and still him be good and still him experience the grace and mercy that he has for you. And so it, it is not this Christian life is not about how can I ease my pain, but how can the Lord through me work so I can endure the pain? So he, he, he then says, God has set this race for you, which is super encouraging. Um, he says that you would run this race that had been set before you. So, so that lets me know that, that God is not surprised by anything that I go through. And if God is not surprised by it, that means you will never face anything. That the grace of God cannot sustain you. If God knows about it, he has the grace to sustain you for it. 
And so there is a way, a weight of bringing your trials, bringing your hardships and leaving it at the cross because he says that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And so thanks be to God that we have a God that sees us and knows us. Hebrews um, in the fourth chapter, he encourages and says that we have a high priest speaking about Jesus. We have a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. So God doesn't just care about what you're going through, but he cares about how you're going through it. He cares about how you're feeling. He cares about the sleepless nights. He cares about the tears that you cry. He cares about the anguish that you feel, the frustration, the irritation, uh, the feeling like you're not going to make it. He cares for you. And we're going to see uh, uh, Hebrews mentions in chapter 12 that not only he cares, he's been through it, that, that he's experienced betrayal. He's experienced uh, persecution. He's experienced uh, uh, being lied on. He's experienced someone defaming his name. He's, been, he's experienced not being understood. He's experienced not being seen. He's experienced physical torment uh, on the cross for the death of yours and I sin. And so we have a Christ, we have a Savior that can be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. So when he says run this race, when, uh, do I have, do I, anyway, any runners in the house? Oh, oh, okay. Okay, we are praying. Hallelujah. How, okay, okay, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Do we have any walkers in the house? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, let me stick with the walkers. All right, okay. So did you not know that there's an Olympic sport called Olympic walking? Yes. So y'all know about it. And the funny thing is, is that as I was kind of looking into it to kind of study like this idea of running uh, here in Hebrews, is that these Olympic runners can run, uh, I mean, sorry, 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 let me backtrack. I forgot walkers. Okay. These Olympic walkers can walk faster than most people can run. These walkers are walking at uh, up to speeds of 10 miles an hour. Walking. So if you thought the difference between running and walking was speed, you are mistaken. How the difference is, is form. If you're walking, you always are going to have one foot on the ground. But if you're running, there is a point in time which both feet are off the ground. So it has nothing to do with speed, but all to do about your form. And what the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage the, the, the Jewish Christians here, and therefore how I'm trying to encourage you is, God is not, in, uh, not concerned about how fast your life is going, but how formed your life is. He's worried about your formation, not your speed. So it's not about, God, I wish I was here. I, my, I, I, my life is not moving as fast as I would like to go. He's like, slow your roll. I'm more worried about your development and your character than how fast you can get to a certain destination. So when he is saying run, he's not saying run with a quickness, but he's saying run with an intentionality, knowing that I care about your form in which you are trying to run this race of endurance and not just about how quickly you can get somewhere. 
How quickly can I get a promotion? How quickly can this anxiety leave? How quickly can I be delivered from this circumstance? But God is using the endurance to produce in you a steadfastness, which produces a character in you. He is much more concerned about the formation of you to the image of his son than he is with delivering you from X, Y, or Z. Not that he doesn't care, but what what good is it to be delivered from a situation and your soul is bankrupt? What good is it that you are free from from pain, but then you're you're lost for eternity? He cares about your character and how you know him. So the difference between this walking and running is not about speed, but it's about form. In the same way, he he then uh, goes on and says, would you lay aside every weight and sin which so clings closely to you. Again, he's talking about formation, the form to which you're running. So as I was continuing looking up about, uh, looked up long distance runners, and there's a race called the self-transcendence race. And this race is 3,100 miles long. To give you perspective, California to New York is 2,900 miles. So you, so much longer than if, if you were going from here to New York. And again, on foot, and maybe you're shaking your head. I wouldn't be me. <laughs> wouldn't be me either. But it's a picture of this journey and, 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 and so uh, of this faith uh, of our Christian life that, that it's a long journey. And it's not that you're not supposed to be carrying anything. It's that you're supposed to be carrying what is necessary They have to carry some water and some food, uh, and they do have to stop uh, along along the way. But it is not that they're not carrying anything, but how they're carrying what is necessary. And so I was convicted in my own life. I realized that there were some things that I was carrying that I should not have been. One was I was carrying the weight of people-pleasing, the addiction really to say yes to others, realizing that I was neglecting the yes of what I was created for, which was him. And the, the way that I, that this played out in my life is to say yes to some need or to do something or what have you, uh, produce this idea that I need to please people and it's more time sensitive. God, we good. We're going to be with eternity. Like I always got you, you got me. And so I did not prioritize spending time with the Lord because there were other time sensitive things that I needed to do. But what I realized is I was carrying a weight that I did not need to carry because if I realized the truth that I had been fully accepted by the blood of Jesus on the cross, then that allows me to actually create some boundaries in my life to say no so that my yes really matters. And so I, I found myself running ragged to say yes to please people when I realized that I really have already said yes to the one who created my soul. And in saying yes to that, he's fully accepted me. So I, I'm not, it was, I was driving out of a, a need to be accepted that if I said no and I would hurt your feelings, you would like me less. Or if I said no and I couldn't meet that need, then I'm not needed or wanted anymore. But, the, but, but on the cross, that my, it's not a performance thing that Jesus said, I've already done this. And so rest in what I have done so that you can just be. 
And so it was something that I was carrying that was uh, uh, deforming my life in such a way that I couldn't carry what I was supposed to be carrying, which was the assignment on my life to glorify God. Now, now it's not just about what you're carrying, but how you're carrying what you need to. In evaluating my own life, I was uh, uh, convinced that my form was being shaped by my procrastination. So I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. And um, thanks, Mom. I love you. Somebody, somebody, you need a good mother in your life to show you what the Lord has already shown you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. A little bit of procrastinator and... The way that I was running, that form in which I was uh, fitting in my time and my schedule, that it caused me not to carry what God had me to do well. So it wasn't that I, I needed to lift something off my plate, but how I stewarded it, how I stewarded my life, uh, made an impact on how I carried things. And so when he's saying, run this race with endurance, he's talking about formation. He's saying, there are, you're going to have to evaluate your life. There are things Things that you are carrying, whether that be actual sinful things or weight, such as maybe there's some grief that you've never dealt with, but you realize that it is holding you down. Maybe there's some past trauma that you need to bring to the Lord. And it's not that this is a one-time um, process of like one day, oh, I just wake up, lay down. Okay, I'm good to go. But it's going to take some time to lay things before the Lord. But uh, on the other side, there is freedom. On the other side, there is joy. On the other side, there is peace to run the race. And so again, maybe it's not about what you're doing, but also how you're doing it. How are you operating in your life to set yourself up to run this race well? That you, you, you want to make it longer than next week. You want to make it longer than next month and next year. We're talking about decades to come. How are you stewarding your life that if everything, how you operated today, could the way you operate today hold the weight of your tomorrow? So you want to make sure that you're running with the pace of grace. And so uh, then uh, this is what uh, the Holy Spirit through the author wants to encourage us uh, with is that endurance is about who you are looking at. When he says that you should run this race that has been set before you with endurance, he says, looking to Jesus. And this word in the Greek to mean look literally means shift your focus off of the other distractions and focus on him. So there literally is a repositioning of your life, of your finances, of your relationships, of your time, of your career, of your priorities, and a shifting and focusing on Jesus. And out of focusing on Jesus, you then are able to run a race of endurance. And um, I was humbled a bit at uh, summer camp this year. How many people went to summer camp? Come on, summer camp 2023. Um, uh, Summer camp, I was humbled a bit because when we got there, there was a student from another church who was having a hard time connecting uh, with the people there and kind of got in a little bit of a conflict confrontation the first day. And then I saw at dinner uh, that we we were all eating together that most people ate and left. And then he came at the end to sit by himself seemed like it was intentional. Um, so the next morning, uh, we were eating breakfast, um, 
and uh, things are wrapping up. I'm kind of done, kind of talking to uh, some of the mission peeps, and uh, the kid comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and says, will you eat breakfast with me? Absolutely. My plate's empty. But I'm like, let me grab my little dishes. I said, where do you want to sit? So we go and we sit um, at a particular table and uh, he just starts eating. So I said, okay, uh, what am I asking? I said, I don't really know him from any other kid. So I'm like, oh, I see you go to such and such church. He looks up at me. He goes, yeah. And then goes back to eating. (laughs) And I go, um, are, you know, are you enjoying camp? I see you're staying in, in this lodge. How, how's that going? How did you sleep last night? All right. Okay. And then, I kid you not, I really can't make this up. He looks up at me and he goes, do you know Demon Slayer? And I'm like, Demon Slayer. I was like... Lord, is he possessed? What is happening? <laughs> demon, I, I said, I was thinking, I know Jesus. He's the ultimate demon slayer. But I'm like, I'm like, but, um, I'm like, okay. Okay, Lord. And then thank, thankfully, like, you know, I teach high school. So I kind of know like, oh, maybe this is an anime show. Like it just seems. So there was a, a pause as, as I'm processing all of this. And I'm like, oh, I, I've I don't really watch anime. I've seen, um, you know, such and such show a little bit. Um, no response. He just eats. I'm like, okay. I said, Lord, this is not going well. And then moments go by. He looks up. And I kid you not. So I'm facing him. He's right here. He's eating. He looks up and he goes. And then looks back at me and he goes, uh, do you mind? And I'm kind of confused. Like, he was like, do you mind? He wants me to get up. And I'm like, and he, he looks over. He goes, you're not him. I'm thinking, who is him? I, I'm confused. And he goes back to eating, but then he gets up and he like sprints. And he goes to talk to this guy. And I'm like, I guess I'm done. So I kind of get my, I get my things. I just don't know what happened. Like I just was trying to connect. Do I mind? I guess not. Who's him? I'm not him. Who's, I, can, I can be him. I want to be him. <laughs> like, I am him. Like, what is this? And so I found out that he had a, a conversation with another kind of staff member actually at the camp who was running the campsite, and he wanted to continue the conversation with him, and I clearly wasn't him. <laughs> So in terms, let me loop this back to Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is saying to the Jewish Christians, you are entertaining things and people that are not him. So what you need to do at your dinner table, you need to say, do you mind? And say, excuse me, do you mind anxiety? Do you mind depression? Do you mind shame? Do you mind pain? Because what I realize is you're entertaining people that are not him. You think they'll bring satisfaction, but he's not him. You think it'll bring peace, but it's not him. And so there's a wake-up call. He's saying, you're going back to the old sacrificial system to try to bring about a peace from persecution. But you realize it's not him. He's delivered you 
you from having to do sacrifices. He's delivered you from this. He is not him. Do you turn to your neighbor and say, do you mind? Just do, do you mind? I need to get some things off my table. You're not him. You're not him. You're not him. You tried it, but you're not him. So the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews is trying to get our intention onto him. And so he says, looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, and then goes on to say, despising the shame for the joy that was set uh, before him endured the cross. And so I just want to take a quick look of how did Jesus endure the cross? So that is the example that we are to take to endure our life circumstances. So if you go to Luke chapter 22, uh, 39, says this. And he came out and went, as was his custom, as, as he was accustomed to, Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a, th- a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of great blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And so the, the, the first thing that we see Jesus do to endure the cross is that he brings community. That he did not go to the garden alone to pray, but that he brought community with him. But we, not only do we see Jesus bringing community to pray with him during this hard time, and they are not really realizing what is about to take place because it's about to go down, uh, but he takes community into the garden to pray, but then he goes a, a stone's throw away to enter, and so he can pray privately to the Lord. And so, one, in order to endure, we need to realize that you need community, and you can't take everybody where you need to go. That there are some things that uh, as you are caring that you're going to need people to speak life uh, to you, to pray for you. But people cannot have the faith for you. That you need to pray for you. That you need to have the faith for you. But at the same time, you need people around you. So it is, it is not mutually exclusive. It's not community or all by myself. It is both. And that you need people to encourage you. But you also need to be able to get in your secret place. Uh, to commune with the Lord and get a word from the Lord. It is we see Jesus bringing community. But then also going a stone's throw away for himself. The second thing that we see Jesus doing uh, before he endures the cross or as he's enduring this time, this season, uh, he says, not my will, but yours be done. So we have to get good at surrendering. If you are going to endure well, we have to get good at surrendering. Jesus, in his humanity, did not want to face uh, the wrath of the Lord, this uh, physical death and the anguish that he was feeling was so great in the book of Matthew records that he was sorrowful unto death and leading up to this time that the anguish within his soul was so heavy that he began in praying uh, uh, that he was sweating drops of blood. 
So here we, we see Jesus in such turmoil, but he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, that he is surrendering to the Lord. And, and I shared this previously at the beginning of the year to kind of get us pumped up for the new school year. I get a, a message. We get a message from our department lead and says, you need to get good at surrendering. So I looked at it and it said that um, in order to sustain through the whole year, you need to good, get good at surrendering. There are some battles and some fights that you will just not win as a teacher. Pick the right ones and surrender the rest. And I said, that's where you lost me. Um, and I said, because every battle, Jesus has won. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but, at, but, but at first, it, it, it sounds really good. You got to surrender. There's some things that you are just out of your control, which is true. But this is where the instructions got a little murky. Surrender to who? Surrender to what? What am I surrendering to? And the, the Christian faith is that you surrender to the Lord who knows all. Surrender to the Lord who has a plan for your life, a, a good plan, a plan that is better than what you could have ever imagined for yourself. So it is surrendering. So we see Jesus here submitting and surrendering his will to the Father. If you're going to endure, you got to get good at surrendering. Here, uh, then Jesus, and this is uh, the most interesting part of the text for me, is that uh, Jesus, when he's getting ready to uh, pray the third time, in between the second and third time, the text says the angel of the Lord appeared and strengthened Jesus. The very next verse, it says, in agony, he prayed again. Now, hold up. Wait a second. Weren't you just strengthened? Weren't you just encouraged? Why are you still in agony? And it was, uh, it really spoke to me because it realized that you can be strengthened and the pain still be there. That you can have the grace of God and still have some turmoil in your life that they are not mutually exclusive, that the grace of God that strengthens does not always ease the pain, but endures the pain. That through the trial, the trial may not end. It might not become less intense, but the means of prayer, you are being strengthened to see the other side. That that is a testimony to the victory of the Lord, that the Lord can still be good in the midst of trials. That the Lord can still strengthen and still give you grace in the midst of pain, in the midst of confusion. That he was strengthened and yet he prayed with agony. That both can be true, that it's not indicative of the Lord has left you because you've prayed and prayed and you're still in the situation. It is not indicative that the Lord does not love you for you to still be in turmoil, but yet have the strength to endure it. In this time, he was, Jesus realized that he was, he needed to feed his faith more than his feelings. That he pressed through despite what he felt, he still prayed. In that way, um, uh, I had been dealing with um, some anxiety and in, in the springtime, it was really heavy. So much so, like I was having severe panic attacks. I'm in the grocery store and I'm like, I can't breathe. I, I'm bursting into tears. I'm just, try, I'm just trying to pick up some Hot Pockets. It was in the frozen section, <laughs> the frozen aisle. I'm just minding my own business and boom, it hit I don't, I, out of nowhere. And, and in that season, uh, I was encouraged by community not to go to Jesus just for a fix of peace, but go to him as the prince of peace. 
And the difference is I'm not going to Jesus for something. I'm going to Jesus because he is that thing. And what, what it changed my perspective is because when I'm going to Jesus as the Prince of Peace and not just for peace, it's like my circumstances doesn't need to change for me to know that my God is with me. My God is here. I can still feel him present. This past week, I, I, I really hadn't dealt with anxiety, but this past week there was one day at work and um, my chest was really tight and really heavy and I was feeling down like I couldn't focus and trying to teach. I'm like, I just want to do two plus two, Lord. Like I'm just trying. Trying to, um, trying to make it. And it got, finally got to my prep period. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to fight this thing. So I uh, closed my door. I put a note on my door. It says, in a meeting. They don't need to know what I'm doing. I said, in a meeting. And I'm in my room. I turn up that worship music. And um, I went to the back. I said, Lord, I know you're with me. I know this is not the truth that you have paid for peace. Uh, and I start to speak those truths of the word over that situation. And you would think my chest would become a little lighter. And you would think that I feel just so much better. To be honest, I didn't. But what I left with was an assurance that Jesus was with me, that he was in the moment with me. And later that day, I felt some reprieve and I blessed the Lord. But it was like to the enemy. You can, you can try to take the experience of peace, but I know the prince of peace. You can try to discourage me in this, but I know I got it. You can't take away Jesus. Now, you can bring some external circumstances to try to get me flustered, to try to get me down, but you can't take Jesus away from me. And so it was a reminder that no matter what I go through, I have the sure, uh, the sure foundation that God, my God said he would never leave me nor forsake me. And so there are times in which you will enter worship. And you may not feel different, but you got to feed your faith more than you feed your feelings. And so you have to be encouraged that the truth of his word is not based off of your feelings, but based off of the truth of what he did on the cross. So the worship team can come up, and this is where I want to close. That in the midst of endurance and waiting, you're like... Well, what do I do in the waiting? And our culture is really not good at, at waiting um, because we're in the culture of um, give it to me so I'm comfortable. Give it to me so I'm convenient, so it's convenient to me. We got the Internet information at the tip of your fingers. You got DoorDash, fast food, restaurants, and so we're inundated with the expectation that my food better be hot, it better be fresh, and it better be fast. Okay? And if it's not, then you like... <laughs> The enemy is really working. <laughs> Woo, he got my DoorDash driver confused. Ooh, Lord, you're not the author of confusion. Let him find my place. Um, we're, so, we're so fixated on the right now, on the easy. And sometimes we don't realize that's how we're viewing our relationship with the Lord. That, Lord, if you don't answer me like Amazon does, where you can just order something and it goes to your front porch in an hour, Used to, it used to be two to three days. It used to be next day. Now there's some things you can get right. And it'll just drop it off right into the next hour. And sometimes we have that expectation with the Lord that if you don't deliver me, if you don't do X, Y, or Z, then that means that you're either not pleased with me, you're far from me. And he says, more than the gift, more than the present, I want you to experience my presence in the waiting. So the waiting to wait for the Lord really means that as I'm waiting on the Lord, I am putting my weight on the Lord. That 
W-E-I-G-H-T on the Lord. I put my W-E-I-G-H-T on the Lord. And so the weight of the, I don't know how to spell to, um, the weight of the things that we're going through as we're waiting on the Lord, he says, will you cast your cares on me? Will, 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 will you trust me to carry your pain? Will you trust me to carry the tears? Will you trust me to carry the thing that happened? Will you trust me? I'm worthy of that trust. I'm worthy of that intimacy. I'm worthy of, of, of that, that, that relationship where you can just rest in the safety of my arms. And so be encouraged. The author of Lamentations can he can attest to you during the time of the siege of the Babylonians, uh, the author of, the, of Lamentations, uh, as the people of Israel, because of their sin, God allowed Babylon to take them out. The siege happened for a year and a half. People were murdered. The, the, the city was pillaged. Everything was destroyed. People were exiled. People not only killed, but put in captivity. And he's lived through all of this. And he says, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers and is bowed down within me. But this, uh, he was feeding his faith more than his feelings in spite of the fact that he can remember the trauma. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end and they are new every single morning. Would you be encouraged that God's faithfulness is greater than the season of your pain and the season of your trauma? It may not be tomorrow that he delivers you, but God is using the waiting. God is using the endurance. He cares so much more about your character than he does about your deliverance. But God, we thank you. Lord, maybe there are people in this room who, who haven't fully trusted that you can take care of it. God, they've been running. God, but not with the pace of grace, not what you've done on the cross. God, I pray that there would be, there would be a, a, a ease in the sense of knowing that you are with them, that their storm may not change, but recognizing who's in the storm with them changes everything. The fire may still be just as hot, but God, thank you that you're in the midst of the furnace. So God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you would give us a strength. God, you said those that wait upon the Lord, they, their strength shall be renewed. God, that's what your word says. So God, in the midst of how we're feeling, in the midst of the chaos, God, would you encourage, in the midst of all the responsibilities, in the midst of taking care of this, that, and the to-do list, God, would you reign? God, would you make yourself a priority in our life that you would align, God, our schedules, our time, our emotions, our finances, God, the way we shoot our job and our families and our friendships. Let everything, God, let it be in a way and in a form, God, that can carry the weight of your glory, Jesus. God, I pray for those who feel like they're not going to make it. God, would you strengthen them even now, Jesus? Would you encourage their heart? 
And maybe you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you don't know Jesus in this way. You've never had a relationship with him with every uh, uh, head bowed and eye closed just to create a, a moment between you and the Lord. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he says, it's time for you just to give it up. The, the, the bottle is not going to work anymore. Parting is not going to work anymore. You trying to numb things are not going to work anymore. They are not him. They are not me. Jesus is saying, would you let me in? Would you let me be Lord? Would you let me be Savior and watch what I'll do in your life? If that's you this morning, you're like, I need Jesus. And I've never had an opportunity to give my life to Jesus before. Here's an opportunity. I just want to get a chance to pray with you with no one looking around. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, on the count of three, would you just slip your hand? You're like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to take my burdens. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you in the house, God sees that hand. Yes, God sees that hand. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for saving. Thank you for delivering. Thank you how you care for us. Thank you, Lord. And so everybody repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I trust you with everything. Even through my pain, God, I pray that I have what would have the pace of grace. I believe you died on the cross for my sins so I can have an intimate relationship with you. Be Lord of my life. God, you are the journey and you are the destination. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.